0: Welcome to the Healthful Woman Podcast. Today's Thursday, August 13th, 2020. Today is the second podcast in our three-part miniseries on fertility. I'm excited to be joined by Karen Blyer to discuss pregnancy in your 40s. Karen is a patient and a friend, and one of the first listeners of this podcast. She was kind enough to suggest this topic, and even more kind to agree to talk about her own experience being pregnant in her 40s. So today, you're going to get to hear the perspective of the pregnant woman and her doctor. Next week, on Monday, we have two podcasts on gestational carriers, also known as surrogate pregnancy. In the first podcast, I'm joined by my friends, Adina and Simon Brief, to discuss their own journey of having a child with the help of a gestational carrier. In the second podcast, I'm joined by Adrian Arzel, their carrier. Talk about getting both perspectives on a topic, so definitely mark your calendars for those two podcasts on Monday. For now, I'm certain you will enjoy hearing my podcast with Karen Blyer about pregnancy in your 40s. Oh, and Karen, if you're listening, thank you for letting me rope you into doing this. You're the best, and tell Gabe I say hi. Thanks for listening, have a great day. Welcome to today's episode of Healthful Woman, a podcast designed to explore topics in women's health at all stages of life. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Fox. An OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist practicing in New York City. At Helpful Woman, I speak with leaders in the field to help you learn more about women's health, pregnancy, and wellness. We're here with Karen Blyer, who is the mother of Ruben, who was born in November of last year. Karen is uh, a patient, a friend. And when this podcast started, Karen sent an email to me saying, Hey, we should talk about pregnancy in women over 40. So I said, What a great idea you're coming on as the guest. So Karen, welcome to Healthful Woman.
1: Thank you. So happy to be here today. It's uh, definitely, it's actually my first podcast. So excited to be a part of this.
0: Well, you're doing great so far. How are you feeling? How's motherhood?
1: Motherhood's amazing. My son now is close to uh, eight months. And obviously the silver lining out of all of what we're going through is the fact that I now get to spend more time with my son at home. Instead of returning to the office, I am now working from, from my home, which is just amazing.
0: And what is he up to? Is he also working from home? Is he doing like, you know, is he drooling on Zoom? And what what is he doing right now?
1: He does participate on some client calls and some team calls via Zoom. Absolutely. He's a special guest, but he's definitely sleeping through the night. So it certainly makes it easy on both my husband and I.
0: Right. And how, how is Gabe doing? Gabe's the husband.
1: Oh, <laughs> Gabe is excellent. He's loving uh, fatherhood and loving this time with him as well.
0: That's fantastic. So Karen, tell me, Why did you send me the email? Why did you think we should be doing a podcast on pregnancy for women over the age of 40?
1: I just think that there's perception out there that it's maybe difficult if you're over 40 to have a child on your own. I had misconceptions about it. And it happened for me. And I just thought it was important for women over 40, you know, to hear other stories uh, from other women about again, it is possible to get pregnant on your own.
0: So I think that's a great idea. And I do think it's a really important topic. Just so everyone understands, tell us, I mean, tell us your story. What what did you go through in terms of your journey to where you are now, at least in terms of pregnancy, let's say?
1: Sure. Well, I got married actually later in life. So I didn't start the process until uh, much later. I would say I was 40 and a half the first time I got pregnant. Unfortunately, I did have a miscarriage after nine weeks as a result of trisomy 22. I had the fetus tested after I had a, a DMC. I was told at the time that it is pretty common. Right. And I would say that doctors at that time told me that my chances of having a a healthy baby, again, I was uh, 40 and a half on my own and on my own terms, without assistance, uh, was was pretty slim. So they suggested that I see a fertility fertility specialist uh, for a consultation. I discussed my options at that time with the fertility specialist, and they proposed IDF. But I decided actually to wait, try my luck, and have hope. You know, the first time I conceived, I was lucky that I actually conceived pretty quickly after coming off uh, birth control. So again, I decided to just wait it out and uh, three months uh, post my DNC. And at that time, I was 41. I conceived and uh, we had a a healthy baby this past November.
0: Right. And so it's, you know, it, it is true, obviously, that as women get older, there is, it's more difficult to get pregnant, you know, quote unquote, spontaneously without assistance. And, you know, one of the issues is, fertility itself like getting pregnant. And you know for women who are 40 or 41 who are getting you know regular periods, they usually will be able to get pregnant, right because you know if they're having sex and there's a, an egg and a sperm like they will get pregnant. but then the second issue is there is a higher rate of miscarriage. and like what you had with the first pregnancy where the chromosomes are abnormal and that is related to age. the the older more so for the woman than for the man, but the older woman gets, there's a higher risk of miscarriage generally from genetic abnormalities. But these are just odds. It's not like women who are 40 don't get pregnant and have, you know, normal healthy pregnancies. Was Did you feel that when you met with the fertility specialist that he or she was, you know, just saying, well, it's an option because it'll improve your chances and sort of speed up the timing? Or was it like, you're doomed, this isn't going to work unless you, you know, do these treatments?
1: It was an option, especially for women in New York City, <laughs> She made a joke at that time that uh, women in New York City tend to be impatient and they don't want to wait right um, so so therefore a lot of of women here in the city tend to just sign up for for ivF right away right uh, but she did say i mean she the fertility specialist did explain that i you know I can certainly try again to conceive and we could see and we could see what's happened right
0: and so what what was the messaging you were getting, maybe not from the fertility specialist, but you know, I don't know if you were discussing this with, you know, friends and family or, you know, reading online or, you know, social media or whatever.
1: Yeah, I would say that there's a lot of noise out there. So, again, reading online or, or even hearing from the doctor at that time that I saw from an OB perspective. Right. It Wasn't me. Um, they put in. I know, definitely <laughs> wasn't you. <laughs> definitely wasn't you, Dr. Cox. <laughs> Oh, Doctor you know, Fox! Oh, I like that. <laughs> Dr. Okay. Fox. I didn't know if I could call you Nadia on y- the podcast. Y- yes,
0: so. <laughs> you, if you can call me that in real life, you can call me that on the podcast.
1: <laughs> All right, excellent. <laughs> and certainly, a negative picture was painted, which again, right, can can give a woman like false, you know, false hope. And uh, again, the doctors and what's what's written online is that you know your odds of, of having a healthy baby without assistance is very low, right? Again, I always that's why I brought this up to you is because. What are the statistics, right? Obviously in your practice you do see a lot of women over forty. And even when you look at your control group, do you what what are the statistics in terms of how many women do have healthy babies on their own? Right.
0: So it it's it really depends. It's hard to give a number in that sense. So it, it depends on who the woman is, right? So if someone comes in like you, right? So you're you're healthy, you don't really have any medical problems and you didn't have any issues related to fertility, you just didn't start trying, right? So it wasn't like you're having a problem and you you had gotten pregnant, as you said, pretty quickly the first time around. So there wasn't an issue, you know, quote unquote, with fertility in that sense. The real question is, what is the chance you're going to miscarry? And you know, at the age of 40, there is a higher rate of miscarriage and it's it's somewhere, you know, let's say 40% or somewhere in that range, which is high, 40 to 50%. But what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, that number sounds really scary but even if you're in your 20s or 30s, the risk of miscarriage is higher than people think, because so many early pregnancies will miscarry. So you know, you're talking, you know 10 or twenty or thirty percent of pregnancies will miscarry based on so much age. So when it, if it goes from 20 to forty percent, yeah, that's a big jump, but it means you're not necessarily going to miscarry. And so women who are able to get pregnant at age forty, particularly quickly, it's just a matter of your odds and they're and they're not bad and then if someone doesn't miscarry and they sort of make it to you know 9 10 11 12 weeks there is a higher risk of a genetic abnormality without a miscarriage things like down syndrome or trisomy 18 or 13 so it's higher but by the time you get to 11 or 12 weeks it's not very high you know it's in the range of 1 2 or 3% and we can test for those things and so it's really just you know, being able to get pregnant, which many people struggle with, and that's a different—you know—that person would have different odds. And once you're pregnant, sort of being lucky enough, because there's not much you can do to prevent it, to be lucky enough to not miscarry. And then after that point, it's not markedly different from somebody else, other than a—you know—a sl- a higher risk of a genetic abnormality, but not 50 percent. A higher risk, like one, two, or three percent, instead of less than one percent. And so I would have told you, you know, that. Yeah, try. You know, if you're still getting your period and you're able to get pregnant and you're, you know, you can emotionally handle the idea of up to a 50% chance of miscarriage, then yeah, you should try because it's certainly easier to get pregnant on your own than it is through IVF. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of the treatments that fertility specialists will use that are, you know, before IVF, which are less invasive, aren't helpful in terms of, for someone like you unless you weren't ovulating or you were having issues getting pregnant but the thought is you know that they could do IVF and maybe test the embryo and lower the risk of a miscarriage but that's not it's not perfect either IVF you know it's wonderful for people who need it obviously but it's not great necessarily for someone who might not need it and that's part of the issue and since it's so available like you said in New York City it's it's you know you can't throw a rock without hitting a fertility specialist it's I say the same thing about MFMs. There's too, <laughs> there's too many of us also. It's I'm not I'm not I'm not, you know, ranking on the IVF people. They do amazing work, but it's since it's so available and a lot of people have insurance coverage for it, it's easier to do. Did you have specific fears meaning yourself or was it just what the people were telling you? Fears of anything, you know, you're you're like, "Oh my god, I'm I'm over 40, I'm going to get pregnant, A B or C is going to happen to me," or was it just you are sort of blissfully going about your business and all these people are telling you that it's gonna be horrible.
1: I put things in perspective, right? I didn't I didn't stress at that time. You know, my husband and I really, you know, sort of had hope, you know, or or some sort of, you know, belief that if it was meant to be, it was meant to be. I mean, I would say obviously that my fear the whole time, I guess, of getting pregnant over forty, right, is just making sure that the fetus right, what what it would be healthy.
0: When you got pregnant, did you what did you decide to do in terms of testing or screening? For genetic abnormalities,
1: I did decide, and that was working with you, uh, Nadie, to actually um, do. I had to had the CVS.
0: Right, right. I
1: decided uh, not to wait for the amnio and uh, took your recommendation on the CVS.
0: Right, and that was because you wanted to do definitive testing instead of just the screening with the blood test and the ultrasound.
1: Correct. Right. Exactly. Right, and we're given ha- what yeah. happened the first time around, yes.
0: Right. I mean, because we, you know, we just finished recording a whole series on. You know genetics and pregnancy, and there's so many options, and we lay them all out. But you know, for many women, particularly those who are a little bit more concerned about it, or went through, you know, a miscarriage where there was a genetic abnormality, it's just it gives a lot more sort of a final answer that you know, no, there isn't genetic abnormality. We know 100, you know, for what we could test for, everything is good, and you sort of move forward. And how was the CVS for you from a, an experience standpoint in terms of like pain or? you know, uh, discomfort or inconvenience? How did that go?
1: No discomfort or pain at the time of the procedure. Again, maybe I guess some nerves going into it because we just wanted to, you know, be hopeful that everything would be okay uh, with the fetus. So I think waiting to hear from you, I don't know, I might have, it was very quick. I think the turnaround was 24, maybe 48 hours, so yeah, next day, yeah. So uh, I think, you know, that was the worst part was uh, waiting to get that call from you. But in terms of the procedure, to me, yeah, no pain or discomfort, you did an excellent job. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah! So Thanks, have, have a CVS with me. It won't hurt. <laughs> uh, I think I had some bruising on the outside, but that that was just obviously just given the the procedure. But right, but yeah, no and, discomfort, yeah.
0: and that's true. I mean, the CVS it, it's it's not something you would you know normally just sign up for voluntarily because right. it does. There is there is pain involved having a needle stuck in your belly, but as you said, it's it's not generally the the physical pain that causes the most anguish. It's that waiting for the results after you do it or the day before that you're gonna have these results because there's so much you know anticipation and you know everything gonna be okay is everything gonna be okay and that is that is hard and it's one of the nice things about being able to get a turnaround called the the fish analysis which is a, a certain lab technique for getting the chromosomes very quickly and you get the results the next day they run the other way to do it which takes a week or two but at least you get Sort of the quick results for for many of the conditions quickly. So you did that, and then obviously we looked at the baby head to toe several times, which helps you, you know, see the baby. Do you remember what it was like seeing the baby for the first time and seeing you know the face and the the arms and organs and just how he's going to look?
1: Oh, the full body! Oh, it was amazing. I mean, it's crazy how you have that technology today to see everything. And the fact that you were telling me, you know, I think we were, I don't know, is that at three months right. that um, I was going to have a big baby. <laughs>
0: Well, that was that you know that that wasn't such genius because you're like seven feet tall and Gabe's like seven feet tall, so didn't take a lot of uh, predictive ability to figure out you're gonna have a big kid. It is really pretty cool though. What you said the ultrasound technology available now to look at the baby is just remarkable, and the resolution we get is great. I mean, even as early as twelve weeks, you're seeing features. It's it's really impressive, and it's reassuring to see that the baby looks normal, doesn't. You know rule out everything that could possibly happen but it just it it's so reassuring to see that everything looks normal not just the face but just every organ and we can look at such amazing detail and people usually find that to be pretty cool
1: yeah and i think it puts my it put my mind at ease throughout the rest of the pregnancy right, right. so which, right. Was, which was critical
0: right how was how was how was gabe doing through all this
1: <laughs> um i mean we would obviously like put the ultrasound pictures right. All, all over our uh, our apartment where we kind of could post pictures. It was, we kind of have a bulletin board. We always like to, uh, you know, keep those pictures on, on that bulletin board. And then obviously sometimes you wouldn't be able to come with me to the appointment, but, you know, immediately following any appointment, like call me immediately, like I want details. So that, so that was great. And I would say till today, I swear, I think my son looks like his ultrasound pictures. I'm telling <laughs> you, it's the same thing. Right,
0: well, you know, it's kind it, of it, creepy, it, you know, it is the same child. We didn't switch him at birth or anything. I, <laughs> so, where, did you did you find was there was there any time in pregnancy when or even before that you know you and Gabe felt differently meaning because you're by nature you're pretty laid back and you're not oh you know, you're not a big worrier in general but was there times where maybe he's worried about something and you're not or you're worried about something and he's not
1: I would say Gabe is more laid back than I am really so yeah, was, yeah. I'm never worried that, about, about anything don't. yeah <laughs> He was, he it was, was pretty chill <laughs> it was it was me who we had to put at ease right well because he's um, from the he's know. from the
0: midwest you're you're a new yorker so by definition oh, he's exactly. he's way more chill than you could ever be yeah so so that, all right, i so mean he good. was
1: like my coach i mean Nadia, as you know i went I had tremendous back pain throughout the pregnancy and there will be at times where i'd be like gabe i can't do this <laughs> <laughs> which just cheer me on and, you know, tell me like I can. So, right. um, Yeah. No, he was absolutely what a a great partner. Right.
0: There's no turning back now. (laughs) (laughs) We already did the CVS. And so, so let's, what what was pregnancy like for you physically? A lot of women are afraid as they get, you know, older, obviously 40 is not old. It's just, you know, in the world of pregnancy, you're older than many women who are pregnant. What was it like for you physically? Did you find it was very difficult? I know you had a lot of back pain but that was more pre-existing than anything else
1: yeah i mean i I would say i did find it difficult my younger cousin just had a baby uh four weeks ago and she's 32 and she didn't complain about anything Mm -hmm. and i'm not usually a complainer maybe you just complain (laughs) a lot i I was gonna say yeah (laughs) my mother told me (laughs) (laughs) oh that's nice
0: you complain too much karen Why can't you be more like your brother? Uh, All
1: right. <laughs> so I would say it was difficult in the sense is, you know, I remember reading articles or in terms of like women being able to run. And I was very active before. I'm not saying doing marathons, maybe half marathon. So, you know, running five, six miles you know, a few a few days a week was no problem. I would say that was out of the question for me when I was pregnant. So Right. Maybe when you're younger, you're kind of able to do that physical activity. So the only physical activity that I was able to do throughout my pregnancy was swimming, which I would highly recommend to anyone it made me feel so much better. And uh, to the extent that was the only physical activity that I can do, I would say outside of my back pain, though, you're right, I didn't have many of I guess, uh, the common complaint indigestion, you know, feeling tired. I and mean, of course, I felt tired. But I don't think it was any, anything extreme or like feet pain. Like I didn't, I didn't have that bottom line. It was, it basically all came down to the back. Yeah. I mean, in in terms of
0: physically, it's definitely different, you know, for those of us in our forties, it's different from when we're in our twenties and thirties, but you know, so much of that is really just related to what kind of shape you're in when you start pregnancy. So someone who's in their 40s but is in you know good physical condition is you know runs as good you know cardio workouts you know their their weight is normal and everything is You know they they feel good physically. Generally, they're going to feel the same way in pregnancy. And and on the flip side, you got someone who's twenty five. But if they really you know don't exercise regularly, and maybe they have a harder time with certain things, then pregnancy can be very hard for them. And some of it's always luck. You know, some people just their bodies do not handle pregnancy as well as others. Unrelated to what shape they're in, so to speak. You know, some people retain more water, and some people don't. And you know, some of these symptoms are not like that. But in terms of just the age effect. I would say it's much more dependent on what kind of shape you're in going into pregnancy for you know women who are let's say considering having pregnancy in their late 30s or their 40s one of the things I really advise them is to even before pregnancy you know totally increase or maintain exercise on a regular basis to prepare for pregnancy and also you have to take care of that baby afterwards it's right. not just the pregnancy <laughs> you know you got this this little thing in your house you have to run after and not sleep because of uh, and that's really important I mean you you were Un- unlucky to have back pain on top of that from, you know, which is, which is a unique issue, but you could have had that also in your twenties. It's not, it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't
1: related really to age. Yeah, yeah.
0: You just didn't have the, you didn't get blessed with all the good discs in your back. And then what about, <laughs> what about emotionally during pregnancy? Was it a, a very happy time? Did you have a lot of anxiety type of emotions or what was it like for you going through it? And do you think it was maybe whatever you had, Do you think it would have been different if you were you know, in your 30s or 20s?
1: Let's put the back pain aside. Happy time. I don't tend to, I'm not an anxious person. So I I really, I didn't have anxiety. I think after we had the CVS, maybe I had a little bit going into that, but post that, you know, I I was fine.
0: What was it like for you sort of socially, meaning you're you're in the community and probably, you know, many of your peers perhaps already have kids and maybe the the women who are pregnant at the same stage as you might be younger than you, was that something that you found, you know, difficult navigating or found sort of, you know, interesting or funny or what was your response to all that?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I would say actually everyone was rooting for me. I mean, again, (laughs) not that when you're in your 20s or 30s that people don't root for you when you're pregnant, but it is, I swear being here in the city and obviously you're surrounded by a lot of people. I would literally walk down sidewalks and women would shout like, go you, you look great. I never have gotten so much attention before in my entire life than when I was pregnant. Now, I had a huge belly. So maybe obviously everyone's eyes went (laughs) towards my belly. But it was amazing about all the attention uh, that I got. I'm wondering maybe if they saw an older woman, right, carrying. And that's why uh, I think I got shout outs on the streets of of Manhattan.
0: What about towards the end of pregnancy in regards to Uh, the delivery? Did you have any, you know, fears or concerns or thoughts about that?
1: No fears or concerns because I was under excellent guidance, you know, from maternal uh, fetal medicine, right? I I believe you you need to find the right right doctors and the right practice. And I'm certainly uh, not the expert. And I knew I knew I was in good hands, right? So whether it was speaking with you or others in the practice, in terms of my options, as I approach my due dates, we Decided to uh, have me induced on my 39th week, um, so I could have the option of perhaps uh, delivering vaginally. Fortunately, we didn't make it uh, to uh, having a vaginal birth, and we ended up in a C-section. Right. Uh, but uh, I went going in, you know, thinking, you know, perhaps this is an option, and uh, and then we ended up in a, in a C-section.
0: Yeah. Plan B, and and for your C-section it was all the king's horses and all the king's men. You got like all of us. <laughs>
1: Exactly it was, three OBs.
0: yes three three OBs. only because we like you one of us could have done it <laughs> but I uh, was like no I want to go I want to go I want to go so you had a whole a whole team of people and it's you know it's it's interesting what you said about have you know the, the doctors there's there people ask me all the time if you know women over 35 or women over 40 whether they should be seeing quote unquote a high-risk doctor or a maternal fetal medicine specialist for the pregnancy and you know, many women come to us for that reason, because they just, you know, whatever, they, they feel like they're going to, I don't know, maybe get, they're more high risk themselves, or there's more complications, and they just want to sort of feel more secure. But, you
1: know, most- Or don't they don't the- call it a geriatric pregnancy?
0: Oh, we don't call it a geriatric pregnancy. That that would not be kind. So we, the the medical term, which is not great either, is called advanced maternal age, which is over the age of 35. And then there is Unfortunately, something called very advanced maternal age over 45. But most of that came about originally because of the risk of Down syndrome. That this so these cutoffs, like why 35? The reason 35 was picked as a cutoff was not because something like happens to the body physiologically at 35. It's that at the age of 35, when they did the, the the calculus of you know the risk of Down syndrome, the risk of amnio, they said if you're under 35, you should not do an amnio, and if you're over 35, you should. And you know that is. That's long gone because we have much better ways of calculating this and testing this and looking at risk. But the term sort of stuck around. And so women who are perfectly healthy, there's nothing wrong with them. And they're 36 years old. They're told, oh, you're advanced maternal age, you're high risk. And, you know, the truth is, you know, other than the genetic stuff we're talking about, which we can test for, there are some risks in pregnancy that are increased as you get older for the pregnancy itself, you know, again, aside from the first trimester stuff we we're talking about with fertility and miscarriage, there's, you know, there's a slightly higher risk of getting gestational diabetes. Okay. But you're talking about, you know, a risk of maybe instead of 5%, it's like 8% or 9%. It's not a crazy increase. And if someone gets gestational diabetes, it's generally not particularly risky to her or the baby. It's just, it's something to deal with and something to work with. It's not that crazy. The Probably the biggest risks as women get older, and this is true, is there's the risk of preeclampsia. And so that definitely increases as a woman gets older. Again, that's typically a complication at the end of pregnancy. You know, that's one thing. There's a much higher risk of C-section, which is interesting. As women get older, the risk of cesarean goes up. And there's different thoughts about why that is. One theory is that sort of, you know, as women get older, either they or their doctors are sort of more conservative and less, quote unquote, you know, comfortable with risk. And so they're more likely to do a C-section. Either the doctors are recommended or the patients will want it. And the other theory is like all the muscles in our body, the uterus, as it gets older, doesn't contract as strong. It's not as strong a muscle and so there's a harder time in labor. But whatever the reason, it's definitely true. I mean, statistically at the age of 40, your chance of a C-section is about 40%, which is double what it would be someone in their 20s. You know, you ended up with the C sections. Hard to know what would happen if you were in your twenties, because again, you know, the specific you had a big baby in the set, so who knows? Right. So in my um, situation
1: yeah. it was because of the size of the baby. Yeah. So think. we think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so, it's, so yeah. we think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's hard to know for sure. I mean, obviously that right. these things are 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 interesting because if you you know if you labored forever, he would have fit eventually, but at some point it wouldn't have really been that safe. And so yeah, these the decisions in labor are, when to switch are are complex. But I think one of the big components was that you know he was big. And the the most concerning risk, which is true as women get older, and particularly if they're over 40s, there is an increased risk of stillbirth, actually, the end of pregnancy. And that's the scariest, obviously, of all of these risks. It's not, again, very common. It's just more common as women get older. And so that's one of the things we are thinking about Uh, we try not to talk about it that much because it's, you know, freaks people out, but it's definitely one of the reasons. Yeah, that would freak me out. Yeah. Yeah, So we we do extra testing and to make sure the baby looks healthy and look at the fluid and look at the baby's movement. But it's also one of the reasons we're, whether it's worth going past your due date or not, because as you get further along in pregnancy, that risk also goes up. So There isn't a a one way to do it in terms of the approach, but definitely that is one of the things on our mind in terms of the risk. And so again, that is it's not very common, but it's just more common. And so it is a concern that we have. Uh, But other than that one, you know, the risk of cesarean is okay. You know, it's annoying maybe to have a C-section, but it's not crazy dangerous same with gestational diabetes most people get preeclampsia it's mild and they they do fine after delivery but other than that there's really not a big difference for a, a pregnancy in someone who's again healthy and well who's age 40 than someone who's healthy and well and age 30 other than those things we mentioned and that's why we we try to keep it light uh, during pregnancy, we try not to you know, go over all the horrible things that could happen to somebody during pregnancy because it's just not necessary. But it's also probably why most women don't need to see uh, a high-risk specialist or maternal fetal medicine specialist. Some do, particularly in New York, because again, we're all over the place and they feel if something comes up, if there's a complication, it's just easier to have it all in the same place rather than seeing many doctors. Um, but not necessarily. Did you specifically come to us because we were, you know, quote, unquote, high risk, I don't even remember, was it because we knew each other before? I don't even remember the reason you you chose to come to us for prenatal care and delivery.
1: I actually came to you from a, getting a great recommendation. And that was through my sister in law, we delivered her twins. And I, I would say that even before I got pregnant, like I put, I put your practice's number in my phone, uh, because that OB practice that I saw when I had my miscarriage, they had more of a negative view in terms of my chances of getting pregnant again on my own or having a healthy pregnancy. I didn't want to go see them again, so I was having this conversation with my sister-in-law, and she told me, "She's like, you need to go see maternal fetal medicine the next time you become pregnant," and and that's what happened.
0: Right. No, I remember now that uh, that does make a lot of sense. You know, it's it's so interesting because people think that since we, you know, we're quote unquote high risk doctors and we see all these you know, big complications and, you know, sick women that were always more worried about stuff. It's actually the opposite. Since we're more used to seeing, you know, people with more risk factors and complications that we're able to, I think, have a good perspective on what is actually an issue and what isn't. And so it's part of the reason you may end up finding maternal fetal medicine doctors to be sometimes more peppy positive about things than somebody else just because, you know, we've, we, we take care of a lot of women who are in their 40s, obviously. And, you know, you certainly weren't uh, the oldest person in our waiting room. That's for sure. Certainly, when you start going to women who have IVF and egg donation, you know, we've delivered women in their late 40s and their 50s. I mean, absolutely, it happens. You know, someone's like, oh, she's 40. She's healthy. This is great. It'll be a piece of cake. You know, it's, it's, it's not really as, as concerning maybe for us than it might be for someone who doesn't take care of women who are in their 40s, potentially.
1: Yeah, and I think bottom line, you you have to have a good fit with the practice. I, I think you did a podcast early on. I think it was uh, with Dr. Lamb, mm-hmm. and it was all about connecting with the patients. And you know what I realize is you don't have to continue seeing a doctor, right? If you're not even if you're not happy with the way they speak to you, right, or or their personality, right? There's so many obviously options living like in New York City. And it's all about, you know, finding the right fit, especially throughout pregnancy when you need to have so much trust.
0: Right. I think one of the reasons we're a good fit is we're both, you're pretty, you are pretty chill and you, you appreciate a doctor is going to tell a lot of jokes. So we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is all I do. I don't actually provide any medical advice whatsoever. It's just, you know, it's, I just try to tell as many jokes as possible to distract people from their pregnancy. So it's, which helps with back pain sometimes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How how are you doing now? You're you know, you're you know, almost eight months after delivery. How are you doing physically from the you know, from your recovery from the cesarean and everything?
1: Physically I'm I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm not as strong, I think, as I should be. But I think that the reason for that is, you know, six weeks after my C section, I did a back surgery. I did do a lumbar dissectomy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of that. That's why I'm not at uh, my strongest.
0: Right. So we're uh, so not right.
1: running yet. Uh, but uh, hopefully maybe by summer, I'll be able to do the loop in Central Park. That would <sighs> be a goal.
0: That'd be great. I guess we broke you in pregnancy. So <laughs> we had to call someone to fix you afterwards. OK, well, you know, it's a team approach. We just yeah. whatever whatever we have to do. That's uh you know, that works. And then I I wanted to ask you, and I actually prepped you this question beforehand because you had the entire time to think about it. Is there anything you know now after having gone through the whole pregnancy that you wish you knew at the start or right before you started? Maybe for like women who are, you know, in a similar age group who are considering getting pregnant, what, what would you tell them that you wish you knew? that would have helped you.
1: That it is possible again, to get pregnant on your own. Again, obviously everything has to line up from a health perspective and I wouldn't necessarily, you know, all rush to IVF, right? Again, I guess it's, it's if you can, and it's where you are in your life. So, you know, I wish for all the women out there who are over 40, you know, have hope, have confidence. Again, if, if you have the health, I think it could happen. You don't necessarily have to have to rush and, and get additional medical assistance to help you through the process.
0: Yeah. And particularly like, you know, someone in your circumstance who is you're in your early 40s, right? It's different if you're 49, because then you're talking about, you know, the the likelihood is much, much, much lower. But particularly, you know, you're in your early 40s, you're healthy, you didn't have an issue getting pregnant. And there's really nothing that's gone on other than your actual age is 40. Right? If, If no one knew what your age was, no one would think there's anything wrong with you, right? Everything's going fine. And so I just think it's important to, you know, to have that. And if something sounds maybe too pessimistic, then is right, you know, get a second opinion and you can figure out what's going on. If everyone tells you the exact same thing, or maybe that's just your situation and that's how it is. And that's okay too, but definitely, you know, it's, it's something to consider. It's not like when you hit 40, it's, it's, you know, nothing's going to work. It's, it's, just not how, that's not how the odds are. Wow, Karen, thank you so much for the idea for this podcast. Thank you for thank you. thank you for thank you for listening to the podcast and for letting me know your thoughts. I appreciate it and thanks for coming on, agreeing to be a guest when, you know, not many people and they email an idea, think they're going to get, you know, roped into actually getting interviewed on the podcast, but I thought your perspective would really be more interesting than mine, for sure. I, I didn't go through the pregnancy. So I think that it's it's a really good perspective for women to hear, and I appreciate it.
1: All right. Thanks so much. Keep up the podcast. They're great.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Thank you for listening to the Healthful Woman Podcast. To learn more about our podcast, please visit our website at www.healthfulwoman.com. That's dot ncom If you have any questions about this podcast or any other topic you would like us to address, please feel free to email us at hw at healthfulwoman.com. Have a great day. The information discussed in Healthful Woman is intended for educational uses only. It does not replace medical care from your physician. Healthful Woman is meant to expand your knowledge of women's health and does not replace ongoing care from your regular physician or gynecologist. We encourage you to speak with your doctor about specific diagnoses and treatment options for an effective treatment plan.